You have pledged yourselves to each other by the exchanging of rings. And in the presence of everybody gathered here today, your family and your friends, it's my delight to pronounce you husband and wife. And I suggest you kiss. Believer, non-believer, or somewhere in between. There are important occasions in life that you want to mark with family and friends. For centuries in Ireland, this has happened in the church. That's been our way, but our way is changing. One of the things that really strikes me is how, in what I'm doing, I'm watching Ireland change at very, very close quarters. Up until relatively recently, it was almost assumed that people would get married in a church, that a funeral would be in a church. All of those milestones of life were celebrated in a religious context. And there didn't seem to be an option, but now there is. And I think now that people know that there's an option, people are availing of this. Brian Whiteside is Director of Ceremonies with the Humanist Association of Ireland. Over the past year alone, he's seen the number of humanist ceremonies taking place in Ireland double. We're constantly getting phone calls and emails saying, we're getting married, we're not religious, we want to have a very nice ceremony, we want to have a little bit more than a civil ceremony, we want a humanist ceremony. We've been to one, we like it, this is what we want. In the 2011 census, about 270,000 Irish people defined themselves as being of no religion, and this is the category that humanism falls under. So what is humanism? Humanists don't believe in God and don't have a church. Humanism is an ethical life stance that places human values at the centre of its philosophy. It's very much for people who place their understanding of existence on the evidence of the natural world and its evolution rather than in belief in a supernatural power. There have been many organisations over the years, you know, humanist organisations. The Humanist Association of Ireland, as it stands now, is actually 21 years old this year, which isn't very old at all. But humanism itself would trace its roots back to the ancient Greeks. And, you know, throughout history, you'll see humanism coming in and out. Albert Einstein was a humanist. A humanist view of morality is different. Salman Rushdie, Richard Dawkins and Ricky Gervais are other well-known names associated with humanism and a certain Stephen Fry. Humanists do not look to any god for rules but think carefully for themselves about what might be the best way to live. We all know people who have left religion behind. It's not that they're anti-religion, it's just not for them. And some are still looking for meaningful ways to celebrate the important events in their lives. Humanists have developed non-religious ceremonies to mark birth, marriage and death. Brian began conducting weddings back when they were simply a symbolic ceremony and last year the humanists secured the legal right to marry couples after a 10-year campaign. The big change since we got legal status is the demand for our ceremonies. I mean, the last year before we got legal status, we conducted 200 wedding ceremonies. And of course, in those days, all of those couples had to go to the registry office as well. So when we got the law changed, the first full year when we had legal status, we did just over 400 ceremonies. And this year, 
we'll do between six and 700 ceremonies. We've sadly had to say no to a huge number of couples because we simply haven't got enough celebrants to conduct all the ceremonies. I would think that if we had a limitless supply of celebrants, we would do well over a thousand weddings this year. There's 14 of us at the moment, but we're growing. Hopefully we'll have more by the end of this year because we can't keep up with the demand for our ceremonies. You might be thinking, celebrant, isn't that very religious? Well, life ceremonies need someone to conduct them and celebrate them. And that's what humanist celebrants do. Some do it full-time and others do it part-time along with another job. To apply, you must be a member of the association for two years. Siobhan Walls is one of those who's had what we might refer to as a late calling in life. The thing is, in humanism, life experience is one of the most important aspects of being a celebrant. My name is Siobhan Walls. I'm 52. I'm married with two children. I grew up in a family of 12 children, born in Cork, but grew up for the most part in Dublin. In terms of humanism, only actually came across it in the last few years. I had grown up Catholic, but I had left or moved away from formal religion a long time ago, around about the time I was, I suppose, 16, 17, which is fairly typical, I think. But a lot of people go back. Anyway, I didn't. When I'd had my children, uh, neither of them was baptised, nor have they been since. So I was quite happy with all of that. But I was fortunate to live close to an Educate Together school, and both of my children went through that system very successfully. And it was only when my mother died, and I was in my early 40s at the time, that I really had to answer those big questions for the first time. And I um, had worked it all through myself and come to the conclusion that uh, there was no God, no higher power, none of that. Siobhan's brother died soon after. My brother was completely non-religious. He died quite prematurely at age 49 and it was left to us as siblings to organise his funeral and we were able to make up our own ceremonies. Um, I had done the same for both my children. I had what I called welcoming ceremonies for them but it was entirely my own doing, made up, conducted in my own sitting room with family and friends and nominated godparents, for want of a better word. It was important that they would have nominated people to help guide them through life. As a result of all of that, I knew that I would like to do something because one of the problems, as I know from having lived for uh, the last many years and raised my two children outside of the mainstream religion and mainstream community, is that you miss out on special occasions. So when I became interested in doing ceremonies, I started looking into it and saying, well, how do you go about being a non-religious celebrant? And then, of course, the first thing I happened across was the Humanist Association. Anything out until Saturday, yes. and I'm down to Kilkenny. I've got a wedding down in Tipperary tomorrow. I've had a funeral already. I've got four weddings, so that'll be four weddings and a funeral. In May of this year, following Siobhan's application, a selection panel made up of three experienced celebrants was formed. Each of the panel interviewed Siobhan individually. It's now June, and Billy Hutchinson and Mary McKay are meeting with Brian to discuss Siobhan's suitability. Billy, do you want to just open... And Not just... all of those who apply and go through the training are accredited at the end of the process. Um, well, I've lucky enough to have worked um, closely with Siobhan over the past couple of years and got to know her a bit, as well as been on the selection panel. So 
I've got to know her character and what she's like. And um, from what I've witnessed and from what I've seen, she's a great communicator, I've discovered. Um, she definitely has a, a humanist outlook. There's no question about that. When we put together our accreditation process back in 2007, we sort of looked at the different attributes that we feel someone should have for this role. The person needs to have, you know, be compassionate or empathetic. And they need to have a good ability to deal with people because that's obviously what we're doing all the time. One of the things that I suppose is difficult to measure but is very important is good judgment. And that's a sort of a, a soft thing, but it's very, very important. Obviously, they need to have be of reasonable appearance and reasonably articulate because of the requirements of the role. They need to be well-organised, good organisational skills, and they need to be able to give enough time to meet families and couples in a timely manner and to, you know, fulfil the role. Like all jobs, training is needed, an apprenticeship of sorts, and there's no defined time. You're ready when you and your mentors feel you're ready. That can take two months or even a year. You're meeting people at the biggest events in their lives and you've got to be ready for all that goes with that. What I've been discovering that when, when I first myself was went through this process and thought it was just marrying people or doing a funeral, but I discovered that I had to become a counsellor, a psychologist, <laughs> yeah. a, a carer, yeah. a listener, yeah. and listening yeah. is key. Yeah. And these are elements that I've had to learn myself quite a lot uh, yeah. that Siobhan seems to have in spades. Uh, so from that point of view, I'd be very happy. Yeah. Well, Mary, what do you think? Well, I had a very good experience too with meeting Siobhan I mean, she has the right approach to the way she would talk to people. I asked her about her, her presentation herself, what she had, what work she had done. And as she ran through stuff, you know, that she had done, I thought, well, look, here's a woman who's well used to dealing with all sorts of situations. And I thought, when it comes to funerals, you, you have to look at the person and say, I wonder now how would they be meeting families you do sometimes you have to be almost um referee <laughs> i know that day job is a full-time job with an e-learning company and i've been with that company almost 20 years now i'm a production manager and when i first looked at applying and i was at that stage of my life approaching the the big 50 and i think you're going to make changes and and decisions and I kind of said, OK, am I going to stay doing this and working in this corporate environment till I retire at 65? And I thought, no, this is not actually what I want to do. So I, wa I want to do something that is more meaningful to me in everyday life. And, and, and that's, that's what the ceremonies, I really believe, will fulfil. So we'd yeah. all be happy to, to bring her on to the next stage and to work with her through the mentoring and training program where she'd be coming to ceremonies and planning meetings with us we'd all be happy to do that oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so can i take it then that i'll contact siobhan and tell her that we'll move around to the next stage okay that's very great good. Thanks, thanks very much. much thanks mary thanks you don't have to be a member of the humanist association to have a humanist ceremony there's no test to pass or teachings to undertake it's unlikely you'll even be asked what your beliefs are what you do need is something to celebrate, and this is where humanism parallels religion. For some of us, the times in our lives when religion plays a big part is when we need it the most, usually at times of birth, death or marriage. And it's similar in humanism, 
Life events are when people look for humanist celebrants. It's one of the big problems, I suppose, in modern society where people have moved away from religion. And the two things they might... One is, one is a sense of community people can often feel they miss. And the other one is ceremony. Because unless you're the type of individual who's going to put something together yourself, you're not going to have anything. And it's, it's very important. It's a very basic human instinct to want ceremony around an important occasion and to want your family and friends to be there, to, to mark it with you. That's certainly where, where I have come at this, and, and I, I think a lot of other people will be the same, that they want to be able to mark those occasions that traditionally are religious occasions. But yes, they have been conducted by religions, but they've been there anyway. Humankind would always have marked those occasions with something, the, the main ones being birth, marriage and death. You know, Whether you're religious or not, it's so important, it's so basic. The ceremonies are individually created and tailored by the people involved and the celebrant. We might go oh, some guests, we just don't know where they are. Absolutely, so yeah. We'll just, yeah. We'll are we going, going to orientate ourselves up by the, with the me, me with my yeah. back to the fire? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Naming ceremonies are a non-religious alternative to baptisms. It can be very different very because different. there's a lot of different venues. Sometimes it's in a, in a family home, sometimes it's in a hotel, sometimes it's in a, a room over a pub. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very varied. And they tend to be very family-orientated and there can be a lot of children running around. It, it can be difficult to get a little bit of authority. And, you know, you don't want it to be over-formal. I always say that our ceremonies are very much a balance between formality and informality. But if it's too loose, it just isn't a ceremony. Good afternoon and welcome to this humanist naming ceremony. James and Minka were married by Brian six years ago. Today he's conducting a naming ceremony for their one-year-old daughter, Nielsha, in their home in Dublin. Welcome to this new arrival. Of course, there is no legal aspect to this. It is ceremonial only. We're doing two things. We're welcoming this new life Mm -hmm. and celebrating it. Yes. Okay. But we're balancing that with recognising the responsibility that goes with it. As we're all part of Minka and James's circle of family and friends, you will all have a role to play in providing them and their daughter with friendship and support through the years. Now, ladies, grandmothers, hopefully we'd have the two grandmothers there. And we very often get the two grandmothers to come up and light two candles. Thank you. Which represent the two strands of the baby's family. It's a nice generational thing, and it's nice symbolism around support from the families. And now, with the two candles lit, I invite Minka and James to name their daughter, or say a few little words. Nielsa was named after her grandmother. I I, I think it's probably fairly obvious where Nielsa came from. We like the idea of kind of Nielsa Constance Kjell. And then there's Countess Markovic as well, who's a very strong woman. And then after that, we'd come to godparents, and we're not afraid to call them godparents. Some people say, well, you know, what about guide parents or sponsors? But, you know, everyone knows what a godparent is, so I think it's, it's not a bad term for it. These are the two people, Eva and Ben. I would ask the two of you to make a little promise for Nilsha today. So do you hereby accept a commitment to Nilsha that she may turn to you for advice and friendship in the future 
in times of doubt or difficulty? I do. I do. Very good. And I think you're going to share a little reading, are you? Have you got words of wisdom? Oh, we have something prepared. So, this is Oh, the Places You'll Go. Dr. Seuss, congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're often away. We'd very often end the ceremony, sometimes with a toast, or sometimes simply Hooray! with three cheers. Hip hip! Hooray! Hip hip! Hooray! Congratulations. Well done. So what's the reality for children of non-religious parents in terms of going to school? There are only 68 non-denominational or Educate Together schools around the country, as opposed to 3,000 schools under Catholic patronage. What's happening is people are getting married in a non-religious ceremony, then they have children, they don't baptise and whatever else. It doesn't become an issue until the eldest child is four and they go down to their local school and say, can I enrol Jimmy or Mary, whatever? And the school says, do you have a baptism cert? And they say, uh, no, do we need one? And the school says, yes, you do. And we are hearing more and more anecdotally that it's becoming more and more an issue in the urban areas where there is demand for schools. The baptism cert isn't as big an issue in rural areas with lower populations Schools may ask for it, but they're not going to insist in the same way because they have small numbers. So it's not actually as big a deal, apparently, in rural areas. We're increasingly coming across young couples who have children who are having their children baptised solely to get them into school, not for any other reason. And so we are working on a campaign to raise awareness around that. We're also going to be asking for feedback from the general public, not just from people with that age profile of children going to school, but from the general public about whether they think that is right, whether they think that is fair. Uh, the system, the patronage system under which our primary school system operates means that by default schools are denominational or else the, the Educate Together model then is multi-denominational. So unfortunately that situation is there, that churches have the right but what we want to ask the public is, do they think that's fair, that religions should be able to say, in primary schools that are paid for by the taxpayer, and we're all taxpayers, whether we're religious or not, that they should be able to say, no, you can't, even though you live a mile or two down the road, you can't come to this school because you're not of our religion. Over the summer, Siobhan continues to shadow Mary, Billy and Brian. When I get an inquiry for a wedding, I'm talking about weddings now because they're the ones that are long-term planning. As soon as I get what I call a sort of a firm inquiry, which is something with a date and a venue, I'm getting married in Ballybeg House on the 13th of June next year. Are you available? Yeah. Yes, I am available. Right, I'm going to pencil you in. Now, I then suggest that we meet. I say, you know, I can tell you a little bit over the phone, but the best thing is to meet. And I arrange to meet them and I talk it all through with them. John and Lorna, great to meet you. It's now August, and today Siobhan is sitting in on a wedding planning meeting that Brian is having with John and Lorna, who are getting married later in the year. So, you have exciting plans? Yes. There is a template to work from, but the couple also have a chance to craft the ceremony with the celebrant, which can be as contemporary or as traditional as they want it to be. There are obviously some legal requirements... And then the, the opportunity is to work with the two of you 
in putting together something which is very, very personal and just right for you because that's the whole approach. That's the beauty of I yeah. think what yeah. That, yeah. That, that attracted us the most yeah. was yeah. the way yeah. that you can alter exactly. it a little bit. Exactly. I think very often people coming to a humanist wedding ceremony, they don't quite know what to expect. And they think it's going to be, oh, it's just going to be a sort of a, you know, great fun and mm. almost a bit hippie or something, but it's not. How I describe it, it's two people celebrating their love for one another, making a commitment to one another with well-chosen words, readings by family, friends, some nice music in a very nice place. And I think those are really all the ingredients that you require, unless you want to go to a church and add that religious element, which we don't. If your family is religious, the notion of not getting married in a church can seem strange. There can be tension in stepping outside the tried and tested ways of the church. And what would the neighbours think? For us, like, neither of us are practising within our religions, but like I'm Protestant, Lauren is Catholic, you know, but we're... I think it was a big decision going away from the church and you do feel guilty you know, as a Catholic. No, initially, but now I I feel more comfortable. It's going to be traditional. It's going to be real for my family and friends. You know, especially elderly relatives. I don't want them to feel freaked out. Sometimes people ask me, you know, is it all right to have a little bit of religion in it? Mm -hmm. And what I always say is, I can't, I mean, don't ask me to pray or to read from the Bible or anything because I'm not religious. It, It wouldn't be appropriate. But in the contributions from family or friends, yeah. you know, sometimes there can be a little reading from the Bible or, mm-hmm. or, 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 or why not? Yeah. You know, my feeling is that that can't take over. No. People should be under no illusions. It is a, a humanist ceremony. But if you choose to have somebody do a reading of a religious nature, yeah. that's all right. It's just yeah. being inclusive. Absolutely, yeah. There's an enormous increase in demand for weddings. Now, we'll be honest and know that part of that is because humanists, solemnizers can now do the legal part, so it's attractive to couples because otherwise to have a non-religious ceremony, they're dependent on HSE registrars who only work Monday to Friday. So obviously that accounts for part of it. But there also is just a much greater awareness, and people like the idea that they can be very involved in creating their own ceremony within the humanist ethos. So it allows them to create what is a, a ceremony with a lot of feeling and one that is very meaningful. I think kind of the essence of us, from my point of view, is I love laughing and comedy. Mm. So I would like maybe to start off easing myself with, with maybe something quite amusing or funny. Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. I had a couple of funny readings here. Yeah, I love <laughs> laughing and it's, it's, I love making people laugh, yeah. don't I? No, that's, yeah. that's one of your main points. Yeah. It's, it's... There are other little bits that you can add in, little bits of symbolism. Mm-hmm. I mean, candles is, is probably the classic, if you like. Yeah. You know? Have you come across people pouring sand? Have you heard of that? No. no. Okay. It's a variation on the theme, if you like. You would each have... A container, mm-hmm. for all the world, like a Slim Jim glass, yeah. okay? okay, with two different coloured sand in it. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have an empty glass container, okay. and you would each pour your sand mm-hmm. into the empty container. So it's two becoming one. That's nice. It's also something that's a bit light, and it's, it's, yes. it's a bit yeah, of fun. It's, and it's a bit different as it, well. It's a bit different. Nice. Well, yeah. we live in Scaries, right beside the beach. Yeah. So we're mm-hmm. on the beach seven days a week walking the dog. Yeah. So sand makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. yeah. 
yeah. from a symbolical point of <laughs> all view. All we have to do is yeah. empty the hoover. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether we talked about fee. Have we talked about fee? Not oh, goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we better, yeah, yeah. Well, just to let you know, my fee to assist with putting it all together, all the planning and then officiating on the day, is €450. Euro. And I will be confirming that uh, in my email. Have you decided what time you'll have your ceremony or not? 3 p.m. 3 p.m. That's the usual time, and it's the time really that works best, I think. How long is the ceremony? The, the ceremony is generally about half an hour, Brilliant. give or take, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, just depending on what you include. Brilliant. So we probably, I mean, we could chat here all day. Mm -hmm. I've got people that I've got to go off and marry, so... <laughs> is that all right? Interesting. I, I was at one, actually, with Billy the other evening, and um, in both cases, what I found very interesting was that the couples were very new to the concept. They both had pretty positive vibes. But uh, what was great for me, because, of course, you, you can see the sort of questions that people ask. And, uh, you know, they, they came away an awful lot happier because they'd been a little, I think, in the dark about what to expect. And the bride today very much, she wanted traditional. She wanted to be sure there was a structure there. They both were very strong in that. They wanted everybody to know what they were doing, where they were going, and they, that was very important. That, that came out the other night as well, actually, that because the word is that the couples have so much input, the groom was actually concerned that if they had too much input, that they might mess it up. So it was good that they were reassured again, no, there is a template which you work from and you just add a bit, take out a bit, whatever. I suppose it's like any play or, or show that's put on. There is so much more behind the scenes. The rehearsing and the practicing and the preparing is much bigger than the actual performance on the day. You're directing the show. That sounds like a show and a performance, but it is a performance. But also you've got to be aware of any potential things that may go wrong and calmly deal with it. It's Thursday the 21st of August. I've just parked in Slane for a wedding in uh, the mill house. Looking forward to today. I guess I have the easy part now. I just have to turn up and watch. I don't have to prepare or actually do anything. About to put on those killer heels again, which look like killer heels, but uh, they are getting more comfortable each time I wear them. Celebrants dress formally for the ceremonies. The jacket, I ended up going to Dunn's at the last minute and getting a jacket and that's fine. I think this couple are going to be indoors, not outdoors. The rain is coming down. There is a chance for Siobhan to see the planning put into practice when she goes along with Brian to the wedding of Jane and Des in Slane, County Meath. Brian arrives at the venue an hour in advance to go through what he calls the choreography of the wedding. He talks to the musicians and those doing the readings and he makes sure the room is set out correctly. It's now half past one. Our ceremony is due to start at two. I mean, it, it won't start at two. Obviously, the bride will be, you know, politely late. And of course the funny thing is that it's, it's usually the bride is ready but some of the guests aren't there yet. What I do at, at this stage, about half an hour before the time the ceremony is meant to start I'll go and try and find the groom because what I would like to see, I'd like to see his legal paperwork. You are looking splendid. <laughs> Thank you very much. Great day here. The great, the great day arrives. Great day. Now, just, this is Siobhan. Hi, Siobhan. Who's shadowing me. Nice to meet this you. Is nice our, to meet our, you. Our, our groom, Des. So I'm glad to see you have your, your green folder with the legal paperwork because obviously that's an essential ingredient of the day. And we have, let me just check here, we have Desmond Swan. That's me. And Jane Craven, mm -hmm. your intended. 
And it is the 21st of August 2014. This is the Mill House. It is. And I'm Brian Whiteside. And I know we have Richard here who's yeah. one of the witnesses. And Nicola, is she a bridesmaid? She's a bridesmaid, right, yeah. Excellent. And she's on route. Yeah. So we, we look forward to excellent. the ceremony. There is a relaxed atmosphere in the old Mill House that's beautifully decorated with flowers and candles. It's a funny thing. At this stage, I always go through my entire script and I run my finger along it. You just have to prepare and prepare and prepare. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you ever get, get the names wrong? You know, do yesterday's bride's name by mistake? I, I don't like being asked that because <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to think about it. Oh dear. Hello. Hello. Have we got mothers? Yeah, Oh, come yeah. on out here for a little chat first. <laughs> Isn't yes, it very exciting? Is How is our bride? She's great, always. And Des is in tearing form. Yes, he's in and tearing so form. Is she. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. fun, it's yeah. going to be a fun. Had you been to a humanist ceremony no, before? No, no, yeah. no. Brian waits outside to meet the bride. Deep breaths. And assures her all is well. We start to come in. You'll come in first. P.A.S. de resistance. Right. Good luck. <laughs> now, Des, we're okay. nearly, we're nearly we're there. We're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Now, could I ask you all please to stand? for the arrival of the bride. Des, I wish you well. Thank you, I get the jitters before every single ceremony. The day you stop having little nerves, there's something wrong. But naturally, your confidence does build. Jane, wearing a long white dress, walks down the aisle with her father. Now, good afternoon, everybody, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you all here this afternoon on behalf of Jane and Des on this very, very happy occasion. Unlike a church ceremony, the bride and groom sit facing the congregation. Now, Jane, look at them like a pair of lovebirds there. Isn't it, isn't it lovely? Now, Jane and Des were keen that their wedding ceremony would be one that would be appropriate to them. After my short opening words, just to welcome everyone, we'd have a reading. We'd like to punctuate them through the ceremony. And then I would usually say what I call my slightly more serious words on love and marriage, putting a little bit of perspective on it and a little bit of gravitas. Now, the vows that Jane and Des will exchange here this afternoon in the presence of all of you, those they love and those whose friendship they enjoy and value, will demonstrate their love and commitment now and for the future. You say you want if there's live music, we might intersperse a bit of music in between the different elements of the ceremony. And then we're really approaching the exchange of vows, we go through the exchange of rings, and we can do that in different ways. I promise to love you during the good times, the tough times, <coughs> and especially the ordinary times. I promise to laugh, sing, and dance. We have fairly simple words which we can use, or sometimes a couple will choose to write their own vows or add special words, which we're, we're always delighted because this should be very personal and meaningful to them. And admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> yes, well done. <laughs> I promise to enjoy the little things with you. And I promise to spend my life with you. And so, do you, Jane Craven, take Desmond Swan to be your husband, to share a relationship of love, tenderness and laughter, to confide in and trust above all others, to respect and stand by him in everything as an equal partner,
but above all else, to love and cherish him. I do. So from now on, your individuality will be matched by your mutuality, your sharing of all your joys and sorrows in life. Now, this is the moment for the best man to play his little role. Richard, have you got the rings? <laughs> and after the exchange of vows and the exchange of rings, uh, we pronounce them husband and wife, which is such a, an honour to be able to, to do. Everybody gathered here today, your family and your friends, it's my delight to pronounce you husband and wife. And I suggest you kiss. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. That was all great. Went very well, I thought. I mean, from my point of view, the idea that watching now my second wedding that I can say with a level of confidence, yes, having imagined that I could do this, yes, I know now I could do this. I'd be nervous, of course, to start, but I know I could do it. So, onwards and upwards. I have another wedding now with Billy this Sunday the 24th. That's in Leakslip. I mean, it was actually, and I think some people find this hard to believe, it was funerals that attracted me to wanting to be a celebrant in the first and place. And me. A lot of us were drawn to this by funerals. By funerals, yeah. The number of humanist funerals taking place in Ireland is increasing, with over 120 taking place so far this year. It really is at that point that the chips are well and truly down as to where a person stands about religion or not. More so than a wedding or a naming ceremony, if you know what I mean. That's really when you have to stand up and be counted. Many funeral directors see that things are changing and have built or adapted funeral homes to accommodate non-religious services. And a very, very warm welcome to you all. Now we are gathered here, family and friends, to bid farewell and to celebrate her life. In terms of funerals, I think the big change there was getting the confidence of the funeral directors. If you think of it, if a family has a bereavement, they go to their funeral director. And one of the first questions that will be asked is, what parish are you in? And the old traditional thing was, well, I'm in, in this parish or that parish, and it would, it would probably be either a Catholic or a, a, a Protestant. That's, that's very typical for Ireland. And if a family maybe said, well, actually, we're not religious, the funeral director probably would have said, well, we better get on to the priest because that's how it's done. But now the funeral director will, will more than likely say, well, would you consider a humanist ceremony, a humanist funeral? And the family will probably never have heard of it, but will ask a few questions and they'll probably be put in touch with me or one of my colleagues and we'll meet the family and talk them through how it all works and how we would structure such a ceremony. And almost always they say, look, this is exactly right for this person. Paul told me in our conversations, he told me about their great, great love for one another. Her love of life, her ability for and love of languages. Brian is conducting a funeral for a woman in her 50s who has died from cancer. Her favourite music is played. 
but it's not for me. I'm the one who didn't know her. So over the next little while, we will hear from some of those... Family and friends take part in the ceremony, telling stories that typify the kind of person she was. And the first person I'm going to invite up, I think with great bravery, but I'm sure a lot of pride... Meeting a family, I think there's a lot of skills there in trying to get information. Because when we conduct a funeral, we're really trying to capture the essence of the person who has died. And it takes quite skilled... When I say questioning, that sounds like interrogation, but just sort of soft probing. And we always try to meet in the family home and you get clues in the family home. You look around and you see pictures and you're building up the feeling of the family. And I I, I think there's quite a lot of learning there. Going to the funeral with you last week reassured me that you can be there and... uh, be involved and I don't know if you'd call it upbeat but it was certainly it was. The, you know the, there was a lot of music there were great stories told and I, I was sitting there in the congregation thinking I feel like I know this person yeah. but yet I was removed from it so I felt that that was a difference that's very important but then when you say you did a baby's funeral yesterday now yeah. that could be very difficult yeah. to do yeah um, very very special it has yeah. to be done it sounds like a cliche, but the, but the, the privilege of helping a family at a time yeah. like that, it, it yeah. really, really, it really, is, really is. And, you know, we're allowed to get a little bit emotional. We have to hold ourselves together, but yes. sometimes you, you can't help becoming a little bit... Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think that's all right. But just before we finish, I'd like to just share a couple of thoughts with you, if I may. Because I think it's natural at times like this that we should think about life and death and the meaning of it all. And I know that everyone will have their own personal beliefs, but we do all know that as sure as day is followed by night, so life must be followed by death. It is the natural order of things. It's the cycle of life. It may come too soon, but it is inevitable. But I think it's also important and should be somewhat comforting to us to think about the continuum of life and how your influence goes on through those you've touched in life after you're gone. And I think that this is one little positive that we can cling on to at this time. We meet up regularly and we share, as we're doing now, events that have happened to us, you know, funerals, maybe weddings, funny items and difficult items. But I think that dealing with uh, suicide, people whose family have, that is one of the most difficult for them. And what is useful for them then is to have an outsider, like myself, Billy or Brian, come in and put a structure on the day for them because they just want to get through those very difficult days. They can come back to us then if they still want to talk. I've had people, you know, talk to me later. So it is, it is helpful. But again, it's a, it's a challenge, which we meet happily, I think, all of us. Well, Siobhan, good to meet. And at this stage in your accreditation process, I suppose it would be useful for me to tell you where I think we are. Y- you've attended quite a few ceremonies and planning meetings with myself and Mary and Billy. Okay. And how do you feel? Yeah. Definitely ready to go. 
Siobhan finished training in October and in November officially became the 17th humanist celebrant in Ireland. Her next job was to post her profile on their website and if current trends are anything to go by, she'll have a very busy year ahead of her. I've been talking to my current employer and I am going to go part-time in that job in January or February and then I will continue in that uh, part-time hopefully and I will do this as well and um, I'm, I'm very hopeful that it will continue to build. So far so good. I haven't been conducting any ceremonies yet. I've only been going along observing but I have in the region of 60 wedding bookings in for, for next year because that's going to keep me busy enough. People say to me, how long are you going to do this? I'll do this as long as I love it. If, yeah. if you stop loving it, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. It's a labour of love. It's, it's, you know, some people say to me, you have a lovely job. It's the best thing in the world you can do. Well, I hope so. I feel like I've finally found out what I want to be when I grow up. Well, that was me as well. <laughs> yeah. That was me. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. yeah.